This week on the Reverse Stick, get your best frocks out and charge your glasses, folks. The FIH Conference in Delhi is underway. We dive into the life of TRS World 11 player Muff and Alan Chesney talks gold. Greetings and welcome to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name is John Lee and joining me is Matt Allen. G'day. How you going, mate? G'day. Haven't seen you for a while. Oh, it's been at least two days. Is it, is it, is it as long as 48 hours? Well, it's a bit it? of a split week this week for us and we've got a packed show coming up with oh, a couple mate, of cracking interviews. Um, yeah, some fantastic stuff coming from uh, Alan Chesney talking about his hockey journey and the route to Olympic gold in 76. And there's, <laughs> He's a, got some stories. there's a lot of fun. I think we'll probably carry that over two weeks knowing the way that we, it will be right. And, and it's an edited version of our conversation with him. Uh, the full thing will be available if you'd like to listen to it. Uh, when on the website yep. once the episode goes up, but we will spread it over two weeks because we talk for ages. In fact, 90 minutes we talked to him. Well, it actually stopped us from recording on Wednesday night. Yeah. Got too late, <laughs> didn't it? So we're, we're back here. It's Friday now today that we join you, and of course, uh, we've got the FIH uh, 46th Annual Congress going on tomorrow, but the delegates are all in town. We'll get on to that a little bit later on. And of course, we've got the latest of the TRS World 11 inductees, Rupert Bollingbrook, a.k.a. Muff, joining us from Hong Kong. But of course... News. Well, a fair bit going on. We, you know, we, we, stoke, we spoke last week about leading into the finals for the Asian Champions Trophy in Muscat in Amman. I've got uh, my research. Um, well, we probably want to go through the semi-finals before we go through the finals because it's a bit more interesting, isn't it? We did. Well, um, the pools, the pool games ended up. India was on top. Everybody played five games, um, so they ended up with four wins and a draw. There, uh, only conceded two goals in the. Um, in the pool games, but that seems to be India's lot at the moment, not conceding many in the pool games, um, and scored 25-4. Pakistan were in second place on 10 points, Malaysia were also in 10 points, but Pakistan get through on the superior goal difference, and this is where the real difference in the teams, I thought, would lie. Pakistan scored 25 goals, second place Pakistan, sorry, India scored 25 goals, second place Pakistan scored 8. Yeah. In their five games. Uh, so there's obviously a, a big gulf there, you would have thought. Well, there was a big gulf in Amman, it's funny you should say, but <laughs> of course, India, oh, I think, put, a, a good start, put 11, 11 past them, I think, so that would have boosted the goal difference a bit there. Yeah, yeah. it would. Um, so India topped the pools there. That, uh, fourth place was Japan. They finished with two wins, two losses, and a draw, which I think the Japanese would have been very happy with, yeah, considering it was, it's a development. That's team. it, and Siggy, Siggy was very open about that, wasn't he? He was. Now, we got to the, uh, the semi-finals. Uh, Pakistan played Malaysia in the first semi-final, and that was a f- cracking game. Uh, four all at full time. At one stage, Pac- I think Malaysia scored first, and then Pakistan scored four. Now, four one up. Well, in the second quarter, um, and uh, Malaysia just slowly crawled their way back into the game and finished four all. Uh, then they got to the shootout, and three one was the final result there in favour of Pakistan. They pretty much wiped it there. Well, it's interesting because that bucks the trend. Remember when Ashley yeah, a few weeks yeah. ago was saying about the teams that tend to equalise late to yeah. get themselves into a shootout tend to get the upper hand when it comes to the shootout. And of course, Malaysia did it. To, um, sorry, Japan did it to Malaysia. Um, in uh, blah, 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 last time around in the Asian yeah, uh, Asian Games. In, in fairness um, to both teams, Pakistan came out for the first quarter and a half and were 
brilliant. They were unbelievable. They were playing some great hockey, and they got four up, one up, and I reckon they parked the truck. I, I think they had a little bit of a snooze in the second half, and to be honest, to Malaysia could have scored more. And there were, there were times there you just thought Malaysian forwards didn't show enough oomph yeah. to get at the ball to make the most of the opportunity. They, you know, the goalie had come out and they'd sort of a bit, go bit timid. Yeah, it just you know, sometimes you're going to have to let your face run along the, the turf, you know, if you're, seri- yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're serious about it. But it was a very. I don't know if that's a well-known phrase, let your face run along the turf. But why not? Let's 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 use it from here on in. Well, you know. You, there's, there's guys in world hockey that will we'll, we'll get to crash ball later Yeah, and the splash ball And the splash ball uh, Then we get to uh, the other semi-final India and Japan once again an entertaining game 3-2 in the end in favour of the Indians uh, The Japanese certainly took it up to them uh, It was really quite entertaining I thought India could have scored a few more And Japan made the most of their opportunities But... Um, Poor showing from Korea. Nothing really from them in 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 the tournament was there. And no, well, they beat Oman three one in the five, in the fifth sixth place playoff. But somebody um, somebody from the region did make comment to me not too long back that Korea seemed to have lost all interest in uh, in international hockey. It just doesn't seem to be getting the uh, funding and support there. Which is a real pity. Um, well, they blow hot and cold, don't they? They, blow, they do blow hot and cold. We spoke about the women back in the World Cup being a very solid defensive team. I think the Koreans are probably struggling because um, young kiddies these days can make a lot of money from sitting in a dark room playing computer games. Uh, that whole scene is really troubling. But that, that's our stereotype number one for you, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. We've got plenty more to come. Uh, so, well, <laughs> you take us through the final. Oh, well, First of all, the, 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 the sec, uh, third and fourth place playoff game between Malaysia and Japan was a two-all draw at full time, went to the shootout, and Malaysia clinched third spot with a 3-2, victory, uh, 3-2 scoreline in the That's shootout. It. So they got, they got the comeback from last time around when they, they played did. against them, didn't they? Um, yeah, so we, we had the final. In a, unfortunately, it was a rather wet night in Muscat. Um, I saw a post online. Somebody said, um, I've just moved from Muscat. Uh, I was living there nine years, and I only saw four days of rain when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Rain that night. Oh, and did it rain? Um, it was wet, wet, wet. Now, um, yeah, result-wise, it was uh, the game wasn't played, and the the trophy was handed out equally to both sides. There were some beautiful photos of the it Pakistan was. and the Indian teams all lined up together. Some of them with gold medals on, and the others with the trophy. One shared, and the other got the gold. I'm sure they'll get that sorted out. Bit of spray paint on the silver medals, and they'll be fine. Um, and uh, yeah. It, Tipped down uh, incessantly, and uh, I think there was a very slight chance of maybe taking the field a bit late on, but it was very wet conditions. Apparently, Hassan Sada, the team coach or manager, however you want to call it, of Pakistan, had said that uh, they wanted to play, and it was India that didn't want to play, and India have said, well, no, that wasn't the case. Um, Neither teams wanted to play. Oh, look, why would... It would have been... It's a pity, because that would look like being a really, really good game, because Pakistan, when they were playing well... Looked hot. They looked like they could score goals. Well, particularly considering what we spoke about last week with Sakhalin leaving the camp and going back to Pakistan, mm. and when they get back there, there's going to be all sorts of inquiries going on. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was surprising that they turned it around, and, and rather than um, you know, shriveling away and uh, getting stuffed, they, they seemed to, to stand up. And maybe, maybe there was a problem with that particular coach within the group, and they were happy without him. Did uh, any issues come up for you during the tournament, Matt? 
Any issues come up yeah. for me? You might have to refresh my memory here. Well, uh, it, it seems the crash ball has made a healthy comeback <laughs> to the game. <laughs> um, uh, Cedric? Cedric. Uh, Cedric D'Souza in the box he in the commentary box he loves a crash ball doesn't he and there was a, a, even a, a beautiful crash ball there, there at was one stage a, a beautiful crash ball um, I, I would like to be able to bring you the exact crash ball count especially from uh, the Pakistan game that I watched the semi-final Pakistan and um, Malaysia um, well you nearly put the power out here didn't you well mate the machine blew up the crash ball counter blew up incredible it, it was fine up until about halfway through the second quarter. Started making a funny whirring sound. Yeah. You know, oh, gave it a bit of a tap and everything sort of settled down a bit. But, you know, halfway through this, the third quarter there, it, it really started to groan. And by the fourth quarter, it was smoking and it Would you think just that, blew. Do you think having the, the splash ball involved as well, getting that little bit of water into the crash ball counter... Um, might have caused an issue uh, there. Oh, could have been it. Yeah. Thank you, Tansy. Thank you, Tansy, for hashtag splashboard as well. Yeah, we appreciate that. But it was, um, it, it was what was what was really funny is the more he used it, it appeared the more Cedric became emboldened to get used it because it just got, it just was exponential during the commentary. Where I do, I, I do love your work, Cedric. I really did enjoy the commentary from the um, Asian Champion Trophy. Uh, so we're not really having a go at you. We're just uh, having a bit of fun. So honours even there in the tournament. Everybody goes home happy. Um, yes. And isn't that great? And look, it's probably good not to risk your players this close to a World Cup. Oh, not in those conditions. It's a pity that us as spectators missed what was potentially going to be a fantastic game. But, you know, yeah, World Cup's the main priority. It's even though this is an important tournament for the Asian Federation. It's been a long while since Pakistan have got the win over India. I did see today as well that visas have been granted for um, the Pakistan team. They'll arrive about a month before the World Cup what, in, 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 in India. Um, uh, visas are only for the players, the secretary, the president um, and coach? uh, two, two coaches I think or something like that. It's a, yeah, it's a very limited group. No guests of the PHF are being granted visas on those what grounds. What about doctors or physios? Yeah, there's a there's a, a, there's a, a, team. a team. There's a team. Yeah, okay. but it's but yeah, it's um, no extra board members and the like um, attending. Oh, I wonder if they're at the Congress. Well, the problem is, mate, they've still got no bloody money. They're close to bankruptcy. I understand. Not the only ones in the hockey. Well, no, but I I, I understand that there needed to be some um, government intervention to um, to clear the hotel bill in Muscat for Pakistan. So um, quite late in the Did piece the big as well. Uh, there may well have been a phone call from from they a, got a phone call from, the from, line? from a former cricketer, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there we go. Trouble, but they do, you know, they did all right in the tournament. There, right. Next, next up, John. Uh, Australian else? Hockey League finals. Now we won't dwell too much on this. You were probably bored to tears about us talking about the AHL. I did watch it. The you, you were compared. That's right. So we had the um, the final days action. The final yeah. four games being streamed on Epicenter.tv. Um, well, what do you think about the coverage to start? The coverage? Yeah. Um, well, it was okay. I think the director might have missed a few bits. It was a little bit slow on switching, oh, look, switching there, cameras there was, at times. There was some, look, there's some technical <laughs> issues that, as broadcast, the broadcaster would sit down and not be happy with. with some of those switching issues and stuff, but, uh, you know, it's no... It's no biggie. It's something that hopefully they can learn on and and improve over time. Or if um, indeed, well, they, they might not be streaming anything the, again because 
everything will be going on to Fox, won't it, with the, with the new league? Who knows? So. We, don't, we don't know what's going on because no one's ever told us what that deal entails. Have we? Well, no, well, I understand it was a, um, an FIH deal because um, it needed to be wrapped up as such for, for the Pro League, we, but we digress. We, we digress. <laughs> we've got to keep that. Back to the AHL. Um, you know, my problems with it weren't the coverage, although I do know that um, poor old Ashley was stuck in a, a position of... Um, Limited visibility, shall I say? He, he got the restricted view tickets. He got the which. Um, if you're trying to promote these things and do them, make sure the commentary team can see the bloody game. For God's sake, I mean that's broadcasting 101, and that's a, simple things that can be made better very, very easily. And I would suggest also not having officials come and stand in front of the the broadcast commentary team would be a good idea as well. Especially when they ask to remove themselves and they don't. I mean, that would start to rub up on people. I've already spoken to Ashley prior to us recording today about what I thought of the commentary and of the broadcast, and so I'm not going to repeat what I said in that private conversation. But that wasn't the problem for me. The problem is things like boring pump plays, which are just dire. Honestly, which coach is going to say, right, folks, this is an opportunity for us to go and score two goals for the price of one? No, they're not, because coaches are smart and understand the game, and their priority will be to make sure their bloody opposition doesn't score a goal. That's like simple stuff, mate. I've spoken to a couple of players, John, and... um there's a general feeling that they don't really like it um, with the with the new format, and uh, it's not something they're particularly looking well, forward to. But there's but, not but only I, a general feeling that the players don't like it. But there's who, a feeling who, amongst the players that they can't speak up about it because in fear of losing their places in programs. You're right, and that's certainly come out of that tournament. Now, pump players are stupid. Let's get rid of them. They've, they've, they're not the excitement machine everybody thought they would be. Onto this goal, extra goal. What do they call it? The one you get after you got a field goal. Field goal conversion or a pump play. No, the field goal conversion. conversion. Yeah, well, it depends because if it's in a pump play, you'll get the pump play goal conversion. It's the PB PPGC. What What about you know in normal F- play? FGC. So you still get to shoot a goal. Yeah. And it still counts for one. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, that makes complete and utter sense. No, I I, look, I found it a bit confusing. One of the games that I saw, I thought it was, there was some great hockey when the hockey was being played, uh, but it was a little bit stop start. It wasn't in the pump well, lows. Let's tell you. And don't don't run us by this last couple of minutes of the game, and it's exciting because it's a pump play that's making it exciting. When two teams are very evenly matched on the scoreboard, and it comes to the last five minutes of the game, it's always going to be exciting. Teams are always going to be trying to press for that last goal. So the pump play makes no difference to whether that's an exciting part of the game. Uh, or particularly not. in our game where you can score three in three minutes. Exactly. You know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So look onto the results. This isn't right. Quite news, is it, John? But um, it's not quite right either. The women's results certainly. Top of the table, the winners of the gold medal were the New South Wales Arrows. Um, they won seven six over the Queensland Scorchers. They scored fewer goals in the in the finals. Uh, what did they score? They got one two uh, field goal conversions. Uh, one two three. No no, it was five goals. No, they actually scored more goals in that game. They they would have won regardless oh, of, of, would of they? yeah. Which the, was the of, one that they the would 
uh, that would be probably in the men's final I think that was a new set we'll come to that one yeah, in a moment anyway uh, Canberra Strikers great performance from them to get the bronze medal they beat Victoria in the in the, um, the third fourth playoff there um, and I think they'd be very very happy with uh, their progress I watched that third fourth game and uh, the goalkeeper was on fire for uh, for Canberra so uh, players of the tournament Elena Tice well um, Irish girl just come obviously won a World Cup this year she then went to New Zealand and won yeah, the Sorry, that <laughs> <laughs> didn't win it, mate. Oh, well, as, they, as, well, as well as they did, didn't they? Yeah, they won. Well done to Ireland for winning the women's <laughs> World Cup, changing history and the reverse stick. Um, then went over to New Zealand and won the the state championships over there. She's now come over and represented Canberra Strikers um, in the uh, the AHL, the very last AHL, John. And she's picked up a joint player of the tournament uh, award with Lily Brazel from Victoria. Top goal scorers shared by Jodie Kenny, Emily Hertz. So Rebe- much for pathways, mate. And Rebecca Griner. Griner has made her way into the women's uh, squad for the Champions Trophy coming up. And, of course, Jodie Kenny and Emily Hertz, they were two of the names that we spoke about many, many weeks ago about making big difference in the ones where the goals would come from Australia. So no surprise there. Player of the final, Caitlin Nobbs and goalkeeper of the tournament. Have a guess. Rachel Lynch. Rachel Lynch, of course. <laughs> Caitlin won the player of the finals. She, she did indeed. Oh, well, of, of the final, yeah. Well yeah, done, yeah, yeah. Caitlin. Good stuff. So over to the men's side of the competition. We had a 5-3 win for the Queensland Blades over the New South Wales Waratahs. Now, of course, New South Wales Waratahs did very well to get there to the final, uh, considering they finished bottom of their pool from the uh, the three rounds that were played around the country. We've spoken about that at length. Um, but they came up against the Queensland Blades on home territory there in Brisbane, and uh, Blades are the winners and the gold medalists for the very final AHL. In the third and fourth playoff game, the Tassie Tigers uh, got up over the Canberra Lakers just a 1-0 win there not too many celebratory moments uh, player of the tournament Jake Wetton uh, top goal scorer Blake Govers player of the final Corey Weyer and goalkeeper of the tournament Andrew Charter and Charter, Govers and Wetton all on their way to the World Cup they've been named in the uh, Kookaburra squad tell you what Govers did have a good tournament didn't he I he think he's very good if, if uh, he's going to be the one to contain for, for, for the sides over in he's uh, a great the Venezuela. goal scoring yeah, absolutely and, yeah, you know. yeah. yeah everything he touches turns to goal John um, oh very good thank you very good so uh, <laughs> that's the wrap on the AHL like we said the last ever one we look forward to seeing what will come around next year there's still opportunity for you to comment on those rules you can actually get onto the Hockey Australia YouTube channel now and the, the, the whole games of the finals have been transferred over to there so if you want to check out the pump play and the field goal conversions and all of the uh, the little tweaks that have taken place, the nine aside and all, the, all of those things, then yeah, get on and have a look and uh, see what you think about it. You, d- you don't have to listen to what we say. It's important that there's some, a conversation that goes on, guys, and we don't just uh, sit back and not question things that are happening in the hockey world. And if you don't agree with what we, our viewpoint, that's fine. That's good. Let's, let's get some healthy conversation going about it. Uh, all right. Look, Finally, on the news, very quickly, yeah. we've had a few international um, games. We've got the yep. Four Nations happening in Valencia. It's a men's tournament. Uh, we've had two or three days play there as we speak, so they're going to the, the finals and the playoff games tomorrow. Uh, we started out with Spain beating England 2-1. The Netherlands, uh, sorry, these are the most recent games. Uh, yesterday, the Netherlands beat Ireland 7-1. 
Um, prior to that, Spain had beaten Ireland 1-0. The Netherlands beat England 2-1. Uh, and Spain beat the Netherlands 2-1. And Ireland beat England 2-1. So all very close games there. Yeah. Uh, at, at present, Spain sit, sit top of the table there um, on nine points. They'll play off against the Netherlands and Ireland will play off against England, I believe, yeah. in the, the final games there. Um, yeah. There's also some test matches, uh, South Africa playing France. Well, that gets underway, doesn't it? Yeah, it's underway uh, tomorrow, I believe, so Saturday. Uh, also got some test matches between Belgium and Ireland for the men's coming up on the 10th, matches between Spain and Germany for the men on the 10th. The 11th, Belgium and the Netherlands are playing a game. Uh, the 14th, Belgium and France, once again, all men's building up to that. World Cup, and then on the 17th, we've got the Wangli Bao Hockey Champions Trophy, Changzhou Wujin 2018. It's being held in Changzhou from the 17th to 25th, and uh, looking forward, I hope we get to see uh, a great coverage of this as we've seen of the other Champions Trophies and like the Asian Champions Trophy, etc. The Netherlands, Japan, Great Britain, China, Australia and Argentina will be taking place there. So that's the world number one ranked Netherlands, number two ranked Great Britain, number three ranked Australia, number four ranked Argentina. The host are ranked number 11 in China and the Japanese are creeping in there. Ranked 14th. Well, do they get that position because of the Asian Games? Is that I, what them I, that, I'd say that's how they got in there. Uh, oh, well, they won the um, uh, Japan. No, India won the Champions Trophy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Asian, no, that's yeah, a, that's their first trophy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Japan are there. Um, it should be a pretty good competition. I'm looking forward to that. And it'll be interesting to see how Japan and China rank against those top four nations in the world because they're looking for big performances come the next Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's sides like GB there. That'll be the first time they've got together for, for quite some time as well. So uh, yeah. I see in the UK there's a lot of Welsh and Scottish and English international games going on at the moment. So uh, it'll be interesting bringing that new and refreshed group back together. Alex Danson's out. Uh, yes, I saw that. Concussion. There's another one. Ah, not good. <laughs> You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Time now for our featured interview. And this week we're talking to a, a man who uh, was there for perhaps Australia's darkest hockey moments. Uh, that was probably the, the 1976 Montreal Games, but he was there for the victorious side, the New Zealand team. And to, hear, to go through his hockey story and just talk hockey generally, Alan Chesney. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to come on and, and chat to you guys and share. Well, look, Alan, I mentioned the 1976 Olympics there, but your hockey journey obviously started a lot earlier than that. I was trying to find out some information about you, and I ended up at your Wikipedia page. I don't know if you knew you had a Wikipedia page, but it describes yeah. you as British-born New Zealander. Um, what exactly, you know, where were you born for a start? And what, what was the journey that led you to being a New Zealand player? Uh, yeah, well, it's like in the old days, a lot of people emigrated. Well, yeah, I was born in England. as only two when, when we emigrated to New Zealand. Uh, four kids and the whole household, car, everything. <laughs> and, um, it, yeah, and, you know, and it was just, you know, my parents decided to get out of England and for well, a number of reasons. And, um, yeah, we ended up in Christchurch. So, uh, and in a little suburb down there called Sumner, which, uh, is a seaside su- suburb. And then, 
Um, then a move, we moved, they found their dream block that overlooked the mountains and so forth, and uh, they built a house, and that was in another little town called Red Cliffs, uh, which is about uh, a couple of miles from Sumner, and and it was only, and I went to primary school there. I was, I think, uh, I was six at the time, and um, they only played hockey there, which is the most unusual thing in New Zealand, because um, yeah. usually a rugby. Uh, rugby country um, yeah and um, so hockey was it you were, you were offered a, an opportunity to, they had these sticks in a box and um, you know you just grabbed one on the way out to break um, and, you, and you just had to play and then we ended up buying our stick they used to have them every year they were called the 10 bob stick they were green and they came from India, I think, and they broke after about probably about three weeks because, <laughs> um, you know what the glue's like when you get them from there. And, yes. yeah, but we, that was rough grounds and everything. It was a small school, only 250 kids, but they had this tradition of hockey. And um, three of us were in the Olympic team. We all played together at primary school. So wow. there, there you go. So that was the start. So yeah, definitely from UK. Um, ironically, I went travelled the world with the New Zealand team with, with the British passport. <laughs> uh, and when I went to Australia, um, they started talking about um, you know you have to get Australian citizenship, otherwise you have to go back to your original country. And mine would have been UK, so I ended up getting an Aussie passport. So there you go. <laughs> I'm just, Alan, I'm really... I don't have a New Zealand one. I don't have a New Zealand one. I've got a UK one and a Aussie one. Yeah, you've won an Olympic gold with them, bloody hell. Um, Alan, I'm just yeah, really... Yeah, I'm really, yeah, would be able to do that. I'm really interested in that, in that primary school as why that hockey history was there. Was there a schoolmaster that was particularly involved or what, 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 why was the, the hockey buzz there in that particular place? Oh, I think it just was one of those things that was a tradition from years and years and then it just carried on. It was... A, because it's a small town, you know, like, um, and had a lot of success. I mean, before, for me, I mean, there was several New Zealand players, um, and local, what we call Canterbury, which is the, the, the province, like the state. Um, so that continued on. The guy that brought it all together was a coach named Cyril Walter. Cyril Walter, um, was, a like a perfectionist, but he, he played for New Zealand in 1940-something. <laughs> um, but he learned from a guy named Dean Chan. Oh, yes. And Dean Chan <laughs> was the hero for all those Indian teams yeah, that yeah. won the Olympics, you know, until no one ever beat them. Well, he's got his and own stadium now. Yeah, well, his, uh, yeah, and he's still a hero. Like over in India and Pakistan, they remember all those those people. Um, and his son went on to play for India as well. I played, you know, and, and then he's obviously his grandson and all that sort of stuff. But Cyril used to say, he, he, when he, they went out to New Zealand, they beat everyone about 13 nil, you know. And, um, so, and he said to Dean Chan, he said, what do you do? You know, how do you do all this? And he said, well, I just dribble up and down for hours and hours and hours, just dribbling the ball. So Cyril decided, well, it's good enough. It's good enough for anyone else. So he decided that's what we would do, and we ended up doing a hell of a lot of dribbling 
but we couldn't do it on the grass because it was too cold and wet. We didn't have any lights, so we couldn't do it outside. So we did it inside, <laughs> and we had this in a in a roller hockey rink uh, stadium, cold as hell. But we would he'd have us standing in a line with our sticks held out over the top of people, so he had to bend down because you weren't allowed to come up, and dribbling the ball, and you you know had to move your feet with the ball, you had to caress the ball. You weren't there wasn't any mm-hmm. loose. Like when I came to Australia, there's a lot of loose sort of dribbling. No, no, none of that. You had the ball, the stick had to caress the ball. And, and Cyril was a bit of a character that he loved to, loved a bear or three. And he loved to smoke, but he was immaculate sort of guy. And he'd sort of follow you around and push you and he'd have his cigarette in his corner of his mouth and he'd, he'd push you down or he'd just get people with the sticks over you bent over so that you stayed down. And John Christensen, who is one of those guys from primary school, has a neck problem today. <laughs> yeah, he does, because he, he used to go home and do this stuff. <laughs> and and it's interesting because there's a, la- a lady who lived up the hill used to look down and thought of something wrong with her. He was, you know, disabled. Because she used to see him dribbling at, at his home on his lawn. And thought he was, you know, like he was this bloody ape man, you know. And um, he's ended up, <laughs> he can't, can't move his neck. Uh, and he said, bent over, yeah. And if you ever watch him play, um, he, he, he could tr- control the ball. No one could get it off him, but they used to belt the shit out of him and he used to get upset. <laughs> and um, But they couldn't get it off him. And so we... In the in the Olympics, we'd have him on for two thirds of the game because he had a, you know amazing stamina, and then and then they'd have marking people marking him and all this sort of stuff, and then we'd take him off and bring on a totally different guy, guy with a different style, Alan McIntyre, who could dribble loosely but very you know, and 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 they didn't know what hit them, and and we called Mac Mac couldn't last more than about a third of a game because he used to smoke, I mean you know. <laughs> so, but he was a brilliant hockey player, and and so yeah. But anyway, I'm digressing a bit. But this is this is how it all happened. And, and Cyril was this guy who coached seven of us out of the eleven. Yeah, he's quite pedantic, but he he coached a lot of discipline and 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 you know uh, drills. I mean, uh, I suppose in the individual things, but. But he never wanted to just display this this dribbling on the on the ground. So any any time we started dribbling, he he says, "What the fuck? What are you doing? Um, what are you doing? Trying to impress Nancy? You know, on this the girls had this imaginary girl on the sideline. Hey, you know, anyone would have a girlfriend called Nancy. And he said, "Stop trying to impress Nancy. You know, with your bloody stick work." And he, so we were never allowed to use it. But I tell you what, when we did use it, we could beat anyone, and um, you know, and that's what it cost me a broken nose in um, Bunbury when I came over there because I uh, went down there with a team once, you know, and scrub cutters used to call them, and I naturally, you know, a guy coming towards you, you do the old left to right, and of course he used to keep going in the straight line, and bang, that was my nose gone. So. <laughs> 
do, do you think that um, in some ways the, the torture that Cyril was putting you guys through actually prepared you for that first tournament on AstroTurf? Montreal was a, the first major tournament yeah, there. That's and right. Do you think yeah. that that sort of might have given you a bit of an edge over other teams that hadn't sort of maybe fully adapted to that flat surface that you would have got when you were doing that stuff indoors? Absolutely. That, that's the thing. I mean... Um, we uh, even even um, one of the guys who's the vice captain Jeff Archibald, who you might remember it and know his, his son has done very well for New Zealand. Mm, um, mind, yeah. Jeff actually pulled himself out of the final lineup. Now there's a, there's a book being written, and I found this all out when the book was written. It's called Striking Gold, um, and Jeff pulled himself out because he actually struggled on that surface. He came from Auckland. And he hadn't done what we'd done. Um, and yeah, definitely. Um, we, we, it was just like, you know, it was beautiful just to go onto a carpet <laughs> after what, what we'd been used to with, with our, our preparation. So the, 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 the red, the hardest bit was trying to adapt to, um, I suppose, because we, we were trained in a, in a smaller area, we're then confronted with a large, pitch you know so going forward at speed so it was good the combination of the whole team we were able to do both but yeah definitely um made a huge difference did you get uh, and t- sorry did you get time on the turf yeah. before going out and playing your your first games in the olympics <laughs> yeah not a lot uh, we, <laughs> went, we went train we went, this is amazing we went um uh, prepared it in toronto and stayed at this place called upper canada college like we were in a dormitory and um, that was our luxurious accommodation and um, we had the Pakistanis staying there as well. Uh, found um, the only uh, Asher pitches there were football grounds um, so I think it was the Blue Jays or something there and um, so the first opportunity we had on Astro went out there and it was dry and oh. um, yeah, <laughs> you can imagine. And it was this great big football field. But anyway, the ball was flying around everywhere. Um, and then they, they decided to arrange a tournament because um, India and Pakistan and us and I think Canada, um, they, they, they arranged a, a tournament there. And it was the first time we'd beaten Pakistan, um, I think, I don't know, maybe ever. <laughs> and that was sort of like gave us a lot of confidence. Um, but yeah, that was our first. We, they actually wet it, um, so it was quite good. And then when we got to Montreal, they had a practice pitch, but the but the turf um, was the the pile was long, quite long. And they said, no, no, we have it long, so because it wears down, so it can last long. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I tell you, mate. Well, you know. It was, it was early days. People didn't know. Yeah. And uh, and then, because the main pitch at Montreal was at Molson Stadium, was the university there. But it had a huge camber on it. Oh. And uh, and because you know, looking from I was left half, so you're looking right across the other side. You can sort of see half a body. Right. Um, oh, wow. Just yeah, just just and, for runoff. Yeah. And of course, you can imagine there's still you know. Coming back to what you're talking about with rules, they still persisted with the leather ball. So we had this leather ball oh. with, this, with a big seam on it oh, yeah. on, on 
on a turf that had a huge grain. So one side of the grain was, you know, it was like an in-swinger that came at <laughs> like when I was lining, lining the ball up, you know, you got the seam going and it's, um, and, and it's coming at you and you, you got to line it up and suddenly you're wrapped on the pads because, uh, you miss it. Yeah. Um, and you, of course in the old days you always stuck your feet behind everything. No one, nothing was going to go past. <laughs> um, but not <laughs> today. And on the other side, of course it, it hit the seam and just started to bounce and then really went. And um, and so it was, it was it had a few challenges, but it was, it was, a, it was the same for everyone. Alan, you mentioned you you had a practice game against Pakistan. Now we're led to believe through sources that anybody that played Pakistan in that tournament knew they'd been in a game of hockey. Is that your yeah. regulation of playing them? Um, they were okay with us. Um, they had they 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 had a few dirty players. Um, their left half and um, their he was quite often on the sideline. Um, the centre centre forward was the sort of guy that if he he went past the goalkeeper, like if he didn't take the ball with him, he quite often felt the goalkeeper's bum with his stick. Um, <laughs> just just quietly, you know, on the way through. That's where they stuck themselves up. When they played the semi-final against Australia, they tried to hit them. And the Aussies were a lot tougher. And they came off second best. And um, they lost the game. They actually, they were the, probably the best side there, Pakistan. They beat us, I think, 5-3. Uh, it was a great game. It could have gone either way, but they, they were brilliant. But we didn't have a lot of problem with that side of it. Um, uh, they just they just decided to have a go at Aussie and there was the wrong team to pick up, <laughs> you know, because they're used to it. <laughs> well, forget forget, forget <laughs> about forget about the Australians. Tell us tell us about yeah. the Olympic glory. What's you know what? Tell us your memories of that. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people say say you know, oh, what's it like going to the Olympic Games? And I said, well, you know, it's it's your dream. Like, you know, I was, it's my dream since I was a kid. Because, you know, we didn't have all the other distractions that people have got today. So, you know, like people like Peter Snell um, was my hero. Yeah. He won three gold medals in running and, and all that sort of stuff. John but, Walker? Um, yeah, well, John Walker was in our Olympic team. Oh, of course, yeah. He won the, next, he won the gold the next day. Um, so, yeah, so you, you had this build-up, but we had a lot of challenges along the way. One of them was this proposed boycott because um, the All Blacks decided um, to go to South Africa and play oh. and um, and the government said, well, we're not, not backing you, but you know, if they're all All Black fans, they said, you go, but not with our blessing, but some of them are probably on the plane with them. <laughs> anyway, so, so put it this way, and they said, oh, no, you know, sports are great way to get rid of politics. So they decided to persist with that. And, of course, this guy, Abraham Mordea, was head of African, uh, the black African sport. And he said, let's have a boycott. And uh, and so the, the black nations uh, in Africa boycotted Montreal. And But there was they were hoping... That, that because there was a number of black nations versus little New Zealand that New Zealand would get thrown out. 
So we had this 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 sort of cloud over our head while we're training all for the for Montreal, not knowing whether we're still going to be in. This is how I mean took out the officialdom. And we didn't know even till we got to Montreal whether we're still going to be able to play. Wow. wow yeah. And um, but we just presumed, you know, and we heard later all these these messages were going to different the, the different governments and behind everyone along the way. We heard it's later. No, I've heard it what forty years later, but we had no idea. So we were under this sort of cloud. And so, you know, you can imagine you, you, you're putting all the training in and, and you want to play and you want to be at your best, but then you're not too sure whether you're going to play. So when we actually got the opportunity, uh, it was huge. Um, and um, so but it was very tight because Kenya pulled out, so we had one less in our pool. And people think, oh, that's great, you know, you want one less to play. But Kenya is sort of a game that you You'd hopefully you'd pick up the yeah. points, but they're also quite good at picking off a few teams. They've done it to us once, so they beat us in the World Cup, where you sort of get a bit complacent. So it tightened our pull up, and then we had um, we were we drew with Germany and we drew with Spain, and then we won a game against Belgium, and then we um, then we lost to Pakistan. We thought we thought we were out, and then we were actually at back at the village. Watching this game between um, Belgium and Spain, and um, we thought our oh, Spain will beat them, um, but there was the last minute to go, and this guy had a stroke. It was two all, and this guy from uh, Belgium had a stroke, and he put it in, and that put us in with a playoff for the semi-final. So I'm giving you an idea of the tension, and so they yeah. had a playoff with Spain. And because Australia blew it the other side, they they should have beaten India, and then they they lost to them, and they ended up with the playoff with India. No, they lost to Argentina, sorry. And they, so there's both Australia and New Zealand end up having to have playoffs in, to make the semis. And anyway, we we had to play Spain again, and we went extra time and, and beat them. Um, the good thing about we were well, very well prepared in terms of uh, it's the first time we'd ever had a trainer and that we knew about our fitness. And we're probably the fittest team there, which is unusual for us. So we had all the skills every time, but we just never had the fitness. We didn't know what to do. So this time we did. So we went to extra time. We had, we had a, a lot of stamina. We we're quite happy to go an extra time, and especially on AstroTurf because you can toss the ball around a bit and wear people out. So we won that. And then, of course, we're up against Holland, who cocky buggers. Um, yeah, there always have been. But surprisingly, I think I only played them three times and we beat them three times. Um, and, um, they, you know, they have this air about them, you know. It's just the way they are. We didn't know that. But that's just part of it. We had a Dutchman on our side who, who um, used, to, they used to say things, talk in Dutch and He'd catch them out and chalk back in Dutch and they bloody shit themselves. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we, 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 we thought we were going to lose that one. Uh, they had this guy, he had a break on his own. We thought he was offside and he got the ball apparently and, you know, okay. And he had the goalkeeper to pick. And our goalkeeper, I mean, he's never done anything like this in his life. 
came out and just took the ball off him <laughs> with his stick. <laughs> like, you know, just casually came out one-handed and tackled him. <laughs> and uh, unbelievable. Um, I mean, you have to see this because of the goalkeepers in those days, like he had a cricket cap on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just a box. Yeah, white, white pads maybe, maybe not even the yellow no, pads by then. Yellow cane pads. Yeah, yeah. He bought himself, he imported them himself, and yeah. paid for them himself. Um, and you know, no special stick or anything like that. Just came out, and this guy was one of their most, you know, skillful players. And he, and he just took it off him, and then and then when he got the ball, just threw it out over the sideline, and uh, we couldn't believe it. Anyway, we won that one uh, an extra time. And uh, then, of course, up against Australia, and uh, we thought, well, you know, we, got, we were underdogs, we got nothing to lose. Uh, we've minimum silver medal. We none, none of us had ever been. I don't even think we even made the semi-finals in World Cups. I mean, some guys, but it was their third Olympics. Yeah. And uh, we were just so over, not overwhelmed, but we we're just excited. You're listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and that is part one of our interview with Alan Chesney, our gold medal winner at the 1976 Montreal Olympics with the New Zealand team. Uh, and we'll be continuing Alan's story next week. We'll pick up with the gold, his thoughts on going into that gold medal match against Australia and some other thoughts on the game of hockey that he'll share with us. But the really interesting story, and it is... It's a great fellow to chat with. That's an edited copy of the oh, um, yeah. edited version of the um, the interview too. If you want to catch all of part one in its entirety, the first half of our conversation, you can go to the website and it'll be available there in the featured interview section. Yeah, an absolute pleasure having uh, <laughs> Alan on, and uh, well, he's threatened to come and join us here in the studio, John, when he's uh, when he's back over here in Perth. So, yes, um, hour and a half that might be nothing. Yeah, well, we might be setting a record <laughs> that day. We will keep this under four hours for you, though, Ernst. Uh, just to mention, we've had a private message there. Have we? Oh, yeah, from, from Ernst. Oh, yeah, I'll tell yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason was because I brought up the idea of the TRS uh, annual awards, John. Oh, um, of in direct response, of course, to the awards ceremony that took place last night in Delhi. And, of course, the FIH Congress... Is coming to you this Saturday, the 3rd of November. Um, it's being live streamed on FIH.ch, which is great. It's not getting hidden away, John. You, we can sit there for nine hours and get bored to death like every one of those attendees. And there are attendees from all over the world. Um, there's hundreds of people there. There's people there from the Libyan Hockey Federation. There's people from the Bolivian Hockey Federation. They're there from Sierra Leone. Shout out to Salis. Yeah, good luck. Uh, and they're there from all the big nations and everyone in between. Um, a real um, wonderful uh, mounting pot of the hockey world and great to have all of those people together in one spot. Now, um, they started out with uh, a few different uh, meetings that are happening. Uh, prior to the event, well, today's actually tourist day for the delegates, uh, John, so that'd be nice for them, having a, yeah. a drive around Delhi. Um, don't know if they'll get very far, um, but yeah, you know what it's like when we hear from, from jazz, <laughs> beep, 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 yeah, yeah. and the cows oh, walking around. Um, started off on Wednesday, the Continental Federation CEOs had a meeting, there was an FYH executive board meeting, and then we went into our first uh, networking cocktail event of, uh, of, the, of the, the, the period there. 
um, the Thursday, another FIH board meeting in the morning, um, followed by lunch, obviously, and then a Continental Federation CEOs meeting a little later on. That was a five and a half hour affair. Would have been interesting hearing uh, some of the views on from some of the different CEOs on what's being done around the world with the game. No, no names, no pack drill. And then a, into a gala dinner and the FIH awards ceremony, which was well, last night. That was hosted by Chetna and Narinda Drov Batra, the president of the Is FIH. That last night's piece, that's that's last night's gala dinner. Oh. Um, so I saw some wonderful Bollywood dancing from film from one of the African delegates that got pupped. Popped up on Twitter. Of course, you can check out our Twitter feed and our Facebook and our Instagram, all at the Reverse Stick. Um, so, a lot of awards given out last night, John. Um, some, uh, well, you know, for uh, let me. I'll give you the the uh, the exact. It was a night of celebration for many of the sport's hardest working promoters and representatives um, at the Lalit Hotel in New Delhi, India. The FIH Honorary Award Ceremony is a crucial element of the Congress programme, rewarding those who have made an outstanding contribution to the sport of hockey. There were 12 recipients of the FIH President's Award, which recognises individuals or national associations having excelled with initiatives, projects or programmes that have contributed over a long period of time to the enrichment of the sport at international level. You'll love this next line, mate. International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach was named as a winner of this hugely prestigious prize thanks to his long-standing support of both the sport and the federation, but was sadly unable to be present in New Delhi to collect his award in person. Oh. Oh. No, well, hang on. He, he's going to get an award. He's hang, gonna, hang, he, he'll get an award from us, mate. Don't worry. Hang on. You're not joking, are you? I'm not joking. Are you? They, they, they gave Thomas Bach. An honorary award for his awards. services to hockey. Yes. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. That is a complete joke. I know this is breaking news for you. Um, that, that is actually a complete and utter slap into the, in the face to all those people around the hockey world who so richly deserve to be rewarded for their efforts, and you're giving it to that bloke? Well, he's been very... Serious. There's been, there's been plenty of photo opportunities between himself and Dr. Batra. So Dr. Batra's obviously got to know the guy really, really well over the past 12 months or so, um, even more so now within his dual role as the Indian Olympic Association president. So, you know, if you're going to give an award out, John, you, you're going to give it to somebody that you know, that you've seen in action, you've seen the great work that they do. Um, now, it might be a little bit unfair because you do get to see them more than others in the hockey world, particularly if you're not at every event. Um, I want my money back. <laughs> what money? The money that goes to the FIH from our fees and our subs and all that. That's a complete disgrace. Anyway, we'll move on, John. Other recipients, EHF President Marika Fleuren, Oceana Federation President Pam Algar, um, friend of Jason McCracken's, and Pan yeah, American... That's an interesting situation, that. Yeah, that's a very interesting situation. The true story's never come out there about that whole story, and it's about time it did. I'm not going to say it now because there might be legal ramifications, but it... It needs to be cleared. We'll find a way to clear that with a lawyer and let the real story be told there. There's another one you just shake your head at. Mm. Um, also, Coco Badescu from Argentina and uh, the Pan Am Confederation. Um, what else? Who else we got there? Um, Belgian President Mark Coudron. He was also honoured, as well as Yokoyama Hide from Japan for being instrumental in the development of hockey in Japan. Um, other President's Awards, John, I'll go through these quickly. Sheikh Al-Fahad, Al-Sabah, Ahmed, Naveen, Patnaik and Raj Kumar Singh and HRH Prince Abdullah Shah were also revealed as winners. 
um, as were the Hockey Museum for their role in ensuring that the history of the sport is being preserved for future generations. Yep. There's one we, we are fully behind there. I'm not necessarily not fully behind. Oh, no, I'm, no, I'm either, not. I'm but not, there's, no. there's some appointments or whatever you want to call them, the awards there that you just shake your head at and you wonder what exactly the hell's going on. And it, it rocks your confidence in, every, in, in all the other announcements they make. And, you know, what a joke. Sorry to the people who obviously and outstandingly deserve the awards they have received. German under-21s men's team, they got the President's Award for Sportsmanship. Um, that was uh, collected by Wolfgang Hillmann, the president of the German Hockey Board. Uh, Pablo Negre Award was given to... Koninklijke Nederland. Oh, it's Dutch, Dutch hockey board. <laughs> I don't have to do the K and HB on that. No, no. Uh, in recognition, recognition of innovative programs and the Federación Deportiva Peruana de Hockey took the Theo Ikema Award thanks to their wonderful efforts in sustainable hockey development. There were awards. Uh, the Sultan Aslan Shah Award went to Chayapak Sirawat from Thailand. Uh, for his dedicated commitment to hockey, and Herman Kreuss from the Netherlands took out the Etienne Glitschik Award in recognition of his contribution to the growth and development of the game. Hong Kong's Harchan Singh Dillon and the China women's hockey team won the Gust Lauthauer... Oh, jeez, I'm throwing myself all around here today. Lauthauer's Memorial Trophy and the Super Fair Play Trophy, René G. Frank... Uh, while Sue Catton, Alain Renault, Yoshida Motohito and Peter Veffers Betink were named Order of Merit winners. Diploma of Merit Awards went to Nikai Kumar from Ghana, Brigadier Musarat Ullah Khan from Pakistan and Choi Cho Yoon from Korea. You can find all those details on the website. I did mention Mark Kudron then. Now Mark Kudron is up for the elections. There'll be two men and two women appointed to the board. We'll find out all about that after Saturday's Congress. Um, there are six women going for the two spots. Uh, Mary Cicinelli from Canada, Maureen Craig Rousseau from Trinidad and Tobago, Elizabeth Safoa King from Ghana, Claire Prudeau from Hockey Australia, Lydia Gloria Demuzungu Sanyu from Uganda and Pam Stupa from the US. And for the men, there's two spots up out of these three. Mark Kudron being one, Michael Green from the German Hockey Board and Shabazz Ahmad uh, from the Pakistan Hockey Board. So he won't be there to have that chat with Hassan when he gets back. <laughs> it's all going on, guys, and you can get your eyes on it um, on Saturday. Um, we did hear a rumour too. We did indeed. Well... Every year something comes out, doesn't it? Or every two years something comes out and people scratch their heads. There's lots of positive things come out. We've, we've witnessed the hockey revolution development over the, uh, the past few years. Um, Look, the big word on Wednesday cause, uh, that was floating around was that um, the FIH were about to announce um, a new Hockey 5 series. Well, something started. Ba- something starting in tw- yeah. Something starting in 2019. Yeah. On the basis of the CEO having visited the Youth Olympic Games, that was the base, and the CEO had decided that that's the way forward for hockey. That's where cash may come. Now, I'd heard it from. Th- that's the basis. I heard it from thing. three separate sources. None of them connected. Um, mm. So some questions were asked. Now I know uh, a journalist um, caught up with the new. Uh, comms man at the FIH who knew nothing been updated on the website on that yet but Nicholas Maingott um, is now heading up the media side of things he's an ex-FIFA man he was there for many years and he was there 
through a lot of the troubled years as well. So he'll have big brass balls, John. And um, if, we, if we're thinking we're not getting much out of the FIH at the moment, watch this space because we won't be getting anything else, I'll tell you. Well, it doesn't appear to be. We, uh, since then, we, we've heard from other people at the Congress in and around it that no one knows anything about this proposed fives idea at all. So... Well, yeah. cer- certainly Rich Stainthorpe and um, Nicholas didn't know anything about it and yeah. they're not aware of that of, of any plans, of any conversation. They will be talking about the future development of the game at Congress, yeah. um, but um, nothing, no, yeah, nothing's, nothing with Hockey Fives. Um, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's rumours still, um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about it, well, but we'll I would also be very surprised if your media team didn't know about it and it was just sprung on you <laughs> at the last minute. Well, they they have a ha- habit of doing that, though. Um, yeah. Look, so we can't really say too much about it because we don't know and, and nothing's been said by the FIH or any. But, you know, once again, it's this cloak of secrecy that the well, FIH it, runs on. It'd be nice everything. if you saw something on their social media feeds to say, this is coming up. Now, something's come out today because of the, the awards last night, but there was nothing promoting the event. There's nothing to let the hockey world know Hey guys, this is going on at the moment, um, and on Saturday, if if you want to get your eyes on it and see what what's happening with your game around the world, but there's, there's nothing, not a peep, nothing. Well, they should have sent you there, mate, because you would have got out there with your iPhone, and you, I mean, you yeah. can broadcast a hockey game with an iPhone. You can certainly stand on the red carpet and go, "Oh, hello, Mr. Ondingwe from wherever. Tell us about what's going on in your country." As they're all walking in their frocks and bit of a red carpet show. Yeah. Anyway. Missed opportunity. But there's, uh, there'll be plenty to talk about next week, especially once the FIH financials come out. I'm really looking forward to seeing how those work out for the recent period just gone. It's TRS World 11 time once again, and this time we're off to the Valley Hockey Club in Hong Kong, and joining us, Rupert Bolingbrook, a.k.a. Muff. Muff, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, first off, before we we get going, tell us about Muff. Why the nickname? Um, pretty pretty simple one, really. Uh, I was uh, played my first game for Valley about 15 years ago, um, and they discovered at training that I had no idea what I was doing with a stick in my hand. And <laughs> somebody somebody asked me, "Hey, have you ever played in goal before?" And I was like, "Yeah, I played in goal at, at school in football." And so obviously they gave me the pads, and in the first game that I played, I think we possibly could have lost 20 nil, but I had an absolute blinder. And we only <laughs> lost three. We only lost three nil, and uh, they all went to the pub. I actually had to get to work later that day, so they all went to the pub. And all of a sudden, this is pre-WhatsApp. This is in the days of uh, text messages. My phone just started going off the hook with loads of numbers just texting me, "Hi Muff, Hi Muff." Hi Muff, hi Muff, and so I wasn't even there, but uh, the guy who was called Shallow came up with my nickname, and it stuck immediately. So. <laughs> and did L- they give you a lots, reason for lots, it? Well, lots and lots of diving, mate. Ah, uh, lots, lots of diving. <laughs> see, oh, right, we'll leave that one there, shall we? <laughs> well played. And what, what about Shallow? Where's Where's that come from? Uh, <laughs> No, no, no. One of the girls said to him that he was an incredibly deep individual. <laughs> um, and obviously we went the opposite direction. So. Well, you guys knew better, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's 15 years ago playing. That's 15 years you've been in Hong Kong. You, you, you joined Valley as soon as you uh, arrived there? 
14, yeah, yeah, I'm exaggerating, yeah, I arrived in 2004 and started playing pretty much straight away. Um, I, I mean, Hong Kong's a very, uh, very social place and you meet a lot of interesting characters out here. And I happened to meet a bunch of people who played hockey with Ali who kind of talked me into it. So you hadn't been a hockey player before that, Rupert? No, uh, a tiny bit at school back in England, but um, yeah, no, it wasn't something that I played on a regular basis at all. Um, and I ended up, so I ended up putting the pads on and went from the F team all the way through to playing a couple of years for the A team in the Premier League. Wow. Um, played in a cup final in Hong Kong, which we sadly lost 3-1, but um, yeah, it was it was a phenomenal run. Sadly, that run has has come to an end sort of because the ball goes a little bit faster past my head these days uh, and uh, so I, I decided to jack it in and try and run around with a stick and have some keep, keep fit instead so but I'm still around and so I actually I'm director of the hockey club as well at the moment trying to sort of give back to for all the sort of privilege and ple- pleasure it's given me over the last 14 years so you talk to the goalkeeping naturally then Rupert it just seemed to be something you could do yeah, I mean, I'm six foot four, um, which helps, I think. And, and in football, I could never catch the bloody thing. So I'd always come and jump, jump, jump for a cross. But in, in hockey, you don't have to catch it. So my big weakness was immediately eliminated. Um, um, yeah, so, so there was that. Um, but yeah, also because you're six foot four, somebody very quickly taught me how to log. And, and in the lower divisions, that seemed to work pretty well. Once I got into the A team, I realised I couldn't do that anymore. But, um, yeah, anyway. Well, you're in the side as one of the uh, more adaptable members. You put yourself up as goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, forward, forward and bench warmer. <laughs> yeah. To add to that yeah. as well, you're yeah. di- director at Valley Hockey Club as well. Um, you know, you're auto- automatically getting into the side. Coming from uh, playing your hockey in Hong Kong and uh, also, yeah, we, we could fit you anywhere on, on the side. Tell us about Valley Hockey Club and the role you've got there and, and uh, yeah, let us know about the club. Um, sure, sure. This is my second year as director, but um, I've actually been the convener once before as well. Um, Valley's got uh, 12 teams, probably about 350 adult members, a youth section. Um, we're very much the poor relation of some of the other clubs in Hong Kong as we have no facilities. We use government pitch. Um, we don't have our own clubhouse. We don't have a swimming pool or any of these other things that the the posher, richer clubs in Hong Kong have. So a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, and <laughs> we play with a lot of attitude on our on our on on the pitch, and we enjoy ourselves in the bar afterwards a lot more than most of the clubs. So we tend to pick up um, a lot of expat members over the years, but Hong Kong's going through a bit of change at the moment. There's sort of less expats working for the banks out here these days. So we've localised ourselves a little bit to adapt to that. And half of our, I don't know, about seven of our men's 18 play for the Hong Kong national team at the moment, um, who are all local guys who we've sort of convinced to come along so that they can get Premier League experience um, out here. And we recruit as heavily as we can. We try and put people through the youth programmes and get them into our senior teams. Um, we do the same kind of thing that everybody else does. One of one of probably the biggest differences is we try and get the best quality coaches that we can. So uh, currently our head coach is Fabian Gregory, who was the South African coach for a while. Uh-huh. Um, he's actually just resigned, as it happens, which is uh, bad timing for this podcast. But um, <laughs> well, there's there's always there's always someone we had. I mean, we had Tina Kake, Tina Belkake, and Mark. Um, Okake for a few years um, a while back who were both New Zealand internationals 
Um, so we, we do a pretty good job of putting together a team that can help develop some of the players who are looking for that and players like myself who are now just looking to play sort of a more leisurely Sunday afternoon stroll and have a pint afterwards, we can, we can, we can cater to that as well. How many clubs are there, Rupert? What sort of uh, hockey community is it, are you playing in? Do you know what? It's a bit of a bizarre thing. I mean, Hong Kong's a very strange place um, for, in many, many ways, but it's just there are some sports that, that have worked here. Hockey has, we have seven divisions, right. uh, about 70 teams in the men's league only, six women's divisions, a youth division, there's a schools uh, competition as well. So rugby is by far the, the richest of the sports here because of the Hong Kong Rugby Sevens. Um, and, and there's a huge amount of rugby played. There's a huge amount of soccer played, basketball. But hockey seems to do far better than it, it should do um, for such a small country when it's not really a local sort of Chinese sport. Um, but yeah, they, they do they do a great they do a good job and run the leagues fairly efficiently. So uh, in terms of clubs, probably about 25 to 30. There's a few local university clubs, a few like half a dozen expat clubs and half a dozen sort of uh, Indian or Pakistani clubs who are the top three sides in the country at the minute because they get a lot of um, a lot of good Indian and Pakistani players to come over and play for them. So. You mentioned that you play on a municipal pitch. How many AstroTurfs would you find around Hong Kong? Uh, six. So six. One's a private, one's the... The, a private members club have got their own pitch, but they donate it to the Hockey Association at the weekends. And the other, uh, the National Stadium, and then four others, which are all local government municipal pitches. And that sustains all of those leagues, those those fields. Yeah, I mean Saturday and Sundays, the first match is at nine, and the last one's at six pm on most of those pitches. So that's seven or eight games on each pitch each day. So wow. that's what 48, 40 games a weekend. And is there any grass hockey played? Uh, yeah, uh, one of the clubs is an old Portuguese Macau club called Club de Recreo. They've got their own grass pitch. Uh, Kowloon Cricket Club, they, they tend to get one game on in the morning before the cricket starts. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so they, they do a bit of grass as well. I think that's it. Um, but the Recreo pitch, quite flat, small slope on it, not nothing too dramatic. Um, and, yeah, so... But we only play the lower divisions on the grass pitches, obviously, these days. Rupert, I don't want to get into the, the, the politics and all that of, of Hong Kong, but how does Hong Kong fit into the hockey world, given that you know China has a national team, etc., and, and the changes that are happening there? Um, yeah, it's a, tr- it's, a, it's, it's a tricky situation. I, I, um, you probably know a couple of years ago the FIH changed the rules about um, who could play in their competitions, such that it was passport holders only. Yeah. Um, and for a territory like Hong Kong, that's a pretty, was a pretty radical change because previously you've been able to play as a resident, which meant that a lot of the uh, Indian and Pakistani communities' children were eligible. And so we did have quite a few players, including somebody like Arish Ali, who played 97 games for Hong Kong, um, was probably one of our best players ever, and played quite a lot in Europe. At, um, racing in Paris and stuff like that. Um, so we had some good players coming out of that side of the community, and now you have to have a passport. 
um, and that's basically ruled out most of the Indian and Pakistani community because Hong Kong, to get a passport, you have to be of Chinese um, <laughs> citizen, uh, Chinese uh, ethnicity, at least half. Um, and that's obviously making things very difficult. The Hong Kong Hockey Association appealed against that ruling and tried to ask for an exemption and then appealed when the FIH said no and both were eventually rejected. So um, we're a little bit stuck at the minute and Fabian's resigned from Valley to take the Hong Kong job for the next four-year cycle up to the next Asia Games and the Asian Cup um, to try and see if he can develop the game a bit bit more here. and we'll we'll see how he goes. Um, I don't know if you know that Hong Kong did lose 26 nil to India recently, so which was under his uh, under his leadership, and actually with both of the goalkeepers who played a half each, both play for Valley. So the less said about that scoreline, the best. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously haven't been watching you enough, Muff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> in, in fairness, so Rupert, I mean, India can be flat track bullies sometimes against the uh, lower nations, yeah, hey, you know. Uh, it was, it, it was, it was, look, it was, it was, it was, um, men against boys in terms of skill level, um, for yeah. sure. And it was the first time they'd done it. These, these guys, they'd never played a top five team in the world before. So, um, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. It would have been very difficult for them. And, and if, I, I reckon if they played them again, they lose 16 nil, not 26 nil, yeah. but yeah, it was. I was, was uh, going to say, as harsh as it is for the players, I mean, you know, there's only learning experiences there, isn't there? I mean, now they know what they're yeah. up at. That's how good you have to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and realistically, obviously, they're, they're not trying to catch India. They're trying to catch Singapore and Malaysia and Indonesia, who are, let's say, I, I don't actually know what their official rankings are in the world, but I think Hong Kong are about 40, 45 or something, so... They're just trying to become the 25th or 30th best team in the world or something yeah. so that they can compete a bit more in Asia. They're not not trying to win the World Cup because that's probably not going to happen in our lifetime. So, so where, where do we find the hockey season at the moment in Hong Kong? You, you're underway with the, the latest uh, year of hockey? Yeah, we're about six games in and uh, most of our teams are like third or fourth. Haven't got off to a brilliant start but um, not disgracing themselves either and we've picked up a bunch of new members. We launched our seventh men's team, for, which is the first time we've ever had seven men's teams. And um, obviously, almost immediately, we've had about 74 injuries in the in the playing staff. And so we're suddenly <laughs> suddenly haven't got enough people to 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 field seven teams on a weekend. But um, yeah, no. Some like had a brand new player start yesterday. Lasted 45 seconds. Tore his Achilles. Oh. I'm like. Yes, it's like just absolute sods law. So. And it's not just anyway. any old injury that either, is it? That's a nasty no, yeah. piece of work. That's, that's gone. That's gone for the year. And he's he was oh. 32 and played played quite a bit in Australia, so he'd have been useful. But anyway, um, these things happen. You 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 adjust and uh, yeah, found a new found a couple of new keepers and things are going okay. Anyway, six games in, we'll see. Fantastic. Look, I, I know exactly what you're saying there. We had, we had the same thing happen with us with uh, an extra team in and yeah, everything's looking rosy and then you lose about 15 players in the first fortnight and uh, and then the rest of the season you're scrabbling around trying to fill teams. Yeah. Yep. Now there's one question we forgot to ask you, Rupert, which we normally get out of the way early, and that is your reaction to your selection in the TRS World 11. Um, well, I was... 
<laughs> a little bit surprised because I'd seen some of the uh, some of the other people who went before me, and I'm like, well, I'm never going to get in given who else is being selected. But then you started selecting the Crispies and the Muffs of the world as the uh, as the uh, as the bench warmers. So, so yeah, it kind of made some sense in the end. But no, it's, it's great to, great to be on and, and good to be part of it. And some of the guys are being really sort of active on social media, and it's great seeing some of the things that are happening around the world with the development of the game and. And people working with the kids and just passing it on to the next generation because it's a it's a very social sport and enjoyable for all the family. Just out of the positions you've nominated for, what what would be your pick? Um, Where do you see yourself? Uh, well, well, well <laughs> goalie's always not like playing in the I, forward line. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, I would like to think I'm a goal scorer, but. Um, uh, <laughs> My, my my current highest season total over the last few years is four, so maybe maybe not. Um, one of the one of the brand new coaches we've got this year uh, played me up front because that's where I'd asked to play, and then second half played me and took me off like three times in the first half to talk to me about what I was doing, and in the second half put me at centre back and then never moved me. So it's like they're seeing something that I <laughs> I'm not seeing. So Rupert, I guess centre back. I've scored four goals in the last four seasons. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well done. So, <laughs> yeah. so four, four in one is pretty good, though. That's excellent. So the future for Valley Hockey Club, things are on the up. Would you ever find yourself having your own facility or club rooms alongside a facility somewhere, or are you just going to have to put up with uh, the, the status quo? Well, we're predominantly a rugby club. Uh, Valley's a rugby club which has a hockey section. So we're sponsored by uh, Sokgen and, and the rugby side of things in Hong Kong is pretty serious. So if it was ever going to happen, it would be driven by them and they don't seem that interested in it. They're all quite happy in the local pub and so are we. So <laughs> I don't think that will I don't, I don't happen. Personally, my ambition is that I'd just like to see our A-team uh, win a piece of silverware because they've actually never won either of the cup or the league in Hong Kong um, in 40, well, 30 years of playing hockey here. Um, and it's very difficult. We're not we're not even close to the level of the Indian clubs, but um, I don't want to sit here and do nothing, so I'd just like to have a crack and see if we can nick one at some point in the next few years. Yeah, well, it's a commendable effort, and it uh, it, look, it's, it's certainly something which is worth aspiring to, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, if you just, we just, we just help, help the guys enjoy themselves at all the levels, get a couple of kids through playing good hockey, I'd be happy with that. So, Rupert, what do you do in Hong Kong? What led you there? Um, I'm a, I'm a bookie actually. I do uh, soccer betting for the jockey club, um, who run the racing out here. Uh, so my interest is generally in sports and in who's better than who and by how much and who's going to win and who's going to win the World Cup and who's going to win the Premier League and all that kind of stuff. So um, I have not worked in sports administration at all, but I have a reasonably good understanding of what makes a good club work, and so that's why I'm sort of watching that in my day-to-day life and trying to use some of the things that I've seen um, to make things work for Valley, I guess. If, uh, are you a mathematician by any chance, Rupert? <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I was just I run an algorithm for every single league in Hong Kong so I know what chances all my teams have of getting promoted or relegated. <laughs> and know, and I, I therefore know where to put resources to make sure I get what I want. 
Well, the smart money at the moment is uh, for my song to be selected as the next Phoenix Hockey Club song. I don't know if you've seen oh the poll on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody telling me he's dreaming. Just on 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 the, the the betting route. But where do you see the place, or whether there is a place for of um, having a punt on hockey? Yeah, look, all of these things they get driven by television coverage. Um, so the, it is it is good to see uh, in Europe some of the bigger leagues being put on the TV. And once that starts happening and the betting companies start picking it up, um, if you're getting crowds for the game and people can watch it on their phone, um, either through your betting website or or just via the normal channels, uh, people will start betting on it. Betting isn't necessarily um, about people winning money. It's often about people having a social conversation about the game. Um, oh, I like these guys to win today. I'm going to have a fiver on them to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it can go in concert with live coverage, and that's why gambling has grown so much over the last 15 years is because you used to have one television channel, and now you have 60 uh, sports channels. Um, and so everything's on TV, and that's what drives people to bet on stuff is if they can watch it. Yeah, and I guess have, um, have so some same, same thing happening. Yeah, I was going to say some, just so they can have a bit of interest in it as well, and maybe in a game that they wouldn't otherwise be supporting one team or the other. Yeah, and obviously the the, the other way it happens is, and Holland's not exactly a hotbed of of, uh, of gambling um, in the world, but if in Holland one of the teams would be sponsored by a betting company, then that would activate them to push the game. Um, it's a reasonably bettable game. You know, it's broken into quarters. Um, there's a reason. There's a similar number of goals to football. You can bet on the number of short corners instead of the number of corners. It's it, like it all translates. There's no reason why it wouldn't work. Um, it's just a question of sort of making sure that people know it's out there. Yeah, and I guess capturing the stats, and that's one of the things that we we struggle with sometimes with the pr- presentation of the game when it when we get it onto screens is that we're pretty poor in collating the data and, and letting people know what the, the little details are. Yeah, I see you guys talking about that, and, and a lot of the other guys that are talking about hockey online and on, on Twitter and and stuff talking about how much data is available and that it's not sort of uniform and this kind of stuff. I mean, I was looking at the Hong Kong website before we came on here. Uh, before I came on the podcast today, and there isn't even a national team results page. Mm. Um, the last national team result that's listed is 2016. Wow. Um, and yeah, you just and it's the same with the FIH website. It's just not enough information up there. You can't find everything. Um, and all it needs is one not huge contract from a company like Sport Radar or Perform Group or somebody to just sort of say, okay, we'll pay a little bit of money and we'll sort out all your data for you. And once you've got it all streamlined and coming in from all corners of the world, then there's an expectation and something's being delivered. And then it's quite easy to make it an ongoing thing once it's been done once. You should have been in Delhi this weekend, Rupert. <laughs> well, you, have to, you have to invite me next year as your uh, starting centre-back. Of World <laughs> so we've settled on centre back, obviously. Obviously, right? yes, yeah. Yeah, we're right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's fantastic, Rupert. Thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be really interesting for the listeners to hear about the setup in Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, we wish you and, and the Valley Hockey Club all power to uh, uh, using some of that mongrel to get over the big boys, the, the moneyed few. And uh, thank you for joining TRS World Eleven. Thanks, folks. Very, very nice to talk to you today, John and Matt. 
that was Muff from the TRS World 11 and what a pleasure like, I found the, the sports betting thing really interesting and it, it's a it's a funny one for our sport do we want to be able to have a punt on the game we've seen the corruption levels that it can bring into into other sports but you know what, why not be able to have, you know, have a oh, bit of a I, I think if you're if, if punting is just about picking winners and stuff it's when you start doing all these in-game things and you start taking exotic bets on where the player bounces the ball off his head or something stupid like yeah. that. That's when the corruption leaks in. And you know what? The, the, the corruption doesn't happen at the highest levels necessarily, although there are cases of it. A lot of this stuff's done at the lower levels where there is no scrutiny of what's going on. So, you know, like betting on, on top-level hockey? Yeah. Betting on what's happening in fourth grade in, <laughs> in WA? No. Well, you know, I often say I bet he'll fall over in a minute. That's when I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not far from falling over. Yep, great to have a chat to Muff and, uh, interesting to hear about the situation they have in Hong Kong with the hockey and, uh, let's oh, and, and, well, inter- yeah, international qualification being a big thing and the fact that, you know, if you're of Indian descent, you can't hold, hold a, a passport if you're 100% yeah, yeah. Indian descent, even though you could be born and bred there. At, at some point, Hong Kong isn't going to be fully Incorporated into the Chinese state, and what happens then to the Hong Kong associations, etc. Et That's a long way down the track. Yeah, they're, they're beyond us in this stupid program. Okay, what have we got? I haven't got too much more to go on, uh, John. We're going to be speaking to somebody from Adaptive Hockey Federation in the next couple of weeks. Good. Um, have a, just check that out online, and we'll, we'll bring you more on that over of, of the coming weeks. Uh, if you're looking to get a team on tour to Holland, Check out On Fire Hockey. That's uh, Schumaraina's um, uh, outfit that he's got there, and you can go over and you can get training. Yeah, hockey tours and get training at some of the top clubs and players like Marta Powman training your side. I've never been on a hockey um, tour. I'd love to go on. You one. need to. We, we need to do one just here in the state and go away for a week and sort of travel the southwest. Oh yeah, or you know? go go Kalgoorlie. Yeah, down absolutely. Albany, over Busselton or something like that. Oh look, if you want to do that, if you're an international team that wants to come to Australia and come to Perth and play on tour we can take you around some beautiful parts of the country um, play on some great grounds and get a real Western Australian experience and you know what's what's better is I'd be your driver as well uh, oh that's not a bad idea I might have to get one for the second day though <laughs> you might do um, slight correction from Findo as well from yeah. Stephen Find later we, uh, last week we spoke about the qualification for the um, the girls teams uh, in, into the new EHL format um, we made a, let me find it here we made a supposition on how they would qualify for those games um, the response I got back from Stephen was um, on the ranking list for EHL women the rankings will be decided following the end of the European club season the ranking tables will be finalised in early June 2019 um, okay. depending on how the different club cups yep. go so it's not on something previous that's okay. already put, already published there. Yeah, no worries. All good. Um, Hockey Australia put up a lovely graphic on their Facebook, whatever it is, about uh, World Cup coverage for us here. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be shown on Fox Sport. It had the the four dates and the times of the, the, the group games, or the three three yeah. group games up on there. This is, of course, a Foxtel deal that we don't really know anything about. Is this an FIH deal? Is it an Australian Hockey Australia deal? No one knows. Um, someone did pose a question on their Facebook post about um, what channel on Foxtel these games were available and told by Hockey Australia that it would depend on what day it was. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I, I, well, the big question is always for me is, are we going to get to see the other games? Is that's it, exactly uh, right. Outside so of Australian if, games? It, if that's a, a Hockey Australia deal with Foxtel, then, well, you know, throw it up in the air whether we're going to get the other games or not. But that's, if that is an FIH deal with Foxtel, they, that should include all of the games. If it doesn't include all of the games, us hockey fans here in this country have got to kick up a stink and make sure that FIH hold Fox accountable for what they're supposed to be providing. Mate, they don't show things unless you complain. We've talked about We've that talk, before. So, but the FIH has got to go to them and say, well, no, we're, we want that check back. There was some more media coverage in Hockey Australia this week. Now, uh, when things have popped up in the Herald Sun, they've been very quick to repost and retweet those. Yeah. I found something in the Australian from this week yeah. uh, which wasn't reposted. That included quotes in there from uh, from Matt Favier saying the games have been contracting 1% year on year, government funding's down, and uh, we're in a situation where um, our peak sporting body, Sport Australia, are looking to rationalise and um, centralise everything. They were lauded this, lauding this week the Ski and Snowboard Association for taking everything in-house into one location. That's what they're looking to do for hockey. It's scary times for the game. That with, you can do that with so, snow sports because only two of the seven states in this nation have snow. Mm. So, you know, that makes sense. But we've all got hockey fields. Yeah. Uh, anyway, get to some of this. Did we have any feedback this week? We did a little bit. Oh, I haven't stopped. Oh, oh. Speaking of feedback, <laughs> speaking of feedback we're the Phoenix. Oh, let's play my Phoenix How's hockey. Going, my friend? How's it going? Well, I'm a bit upset with uh, one of our regular listeners, Amajit's uh, comments about good grief. He started one post um, earlier on in the week. Don't give up your day jobs. Um, I thought it was quite rude. He obviously didn't listen to, um, you know, he probably just heard your song at the start of the video on YouTube. I thought, I'm not listening to that rubbish and just closed it down. He should have hung around a little bit longer. The poll is up there, ladies and gentlemen, the song for Phoenix Field Hockey Club in Calgary. It's on our YouTube page. You can search the reverse stick. You can get a link from our Twitter page or our Facebook page, all at the reverse stick. We've got a poll running on both of them. Um, that'll run for another two or three days now. All you need to know is get on and vote for the second option. What's, what's the um, percentage of people who've gone for C? C, uh, it was almost winning, I think. I didn't put, I couldn't put three options on Facebook, so I don't know on there, oh. but I know that, uh, uh, there's a few, yeah, the third option was give it another go, basically. <laughs> no, is, there, no, is, there, is there a third option? Is there a third option? Yeah, I, I imagine that's going to come out strong. Well, look, what so I would, the more we go through with this. What I would say is, if you're thinking about clicking on three, you know that means we'll have to go away and make some more. Oh. So, it's probably worth, in your best interest, just one. just to let me win and Vote go, go number, two, number two. The best song. Um, Scored Hockey have got a uh, a Dream Team competition coming up. Uh, you can get onto scored.com and sign up for that. Um, but, you know, take down the world's first Dream Team competition, Hockey Dream Team competition off the site, boys, because uh, you might recall we did one about 12 months ago. Xavier was doing it for a while. And Xavier is, yeah, yeah. So you can still get onto Hockey Man and, and uh, get involved in the competitions there. Um, but yeah, get on that. Looks fantastic. There'll be some great prizes on there, getting sponsored by Griffin. And, uh, you know, just adds that extra little bit of spice to watching the World Cup. I've had a bet with Oriole from Scored. Uh, whoever finishes lower has to go to the next training session um, dressed in the women's no, team women, women's team uniform. Next game in the women's team uniform. <laughs> well, I'll go all right because I don't train very often. You see, 
Uh-huh. Don't tell you got nice legs. Don't tell well, thanks very much. Don't look at me like that when you say that. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Just violated again. Uh, I think that's about it for this week, mate. What do you think? Uh, hello to our, um, to, um, our Panda too. Oh, yeah. We're, we're he's only got a small one. Yeah, he's only got a small one. But I'm sure it's very powerful. Yeah. Panda will be on with the TRS World 11 coming up soon. And Next we'll week, be. there will be more TRS World 11. Thank you for joining us in show 71 of and the we'll, Rubistic. Uh, we'll have an update, too, about what's gone on at the FIH Congress there in oh. Delhi. Follow okay. our Twitter feed. Don't you worry. Follow our Twitter feed. Three cocktail parties and a gala. Piss up, mate. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> So, uh, what exactly is it that you think you are doing with our game? Oh, I'm just making it better, mate.